Give Amen. my friend a big hand. Will you do it? All right. Hey, welcome tonight. So good to have each and every one of you here. Man, it's exciting to be a part of Victory Church. Amen. Oh, man, you need to do better than that. It's exciting to be a part of Victory Church. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I am so glad that you're here tonight. Um, listen, I want to just highlight one of our ministries tonight. It is called Grow Track. And Grow Track is so amazing. Uh, Pastor Tim and I, we have been in contact with a family uh, all, since the pandemic, back in March, I believe. Um, a family from Vermont, can you believe it? found Victory Church online, began to watch, fell in love with Victory Church, and has been watching ever since faithfully and, and so forth. And this week, they're going to be in Lakeland, checking Lakeland out, wanting to possibly move to this area, and was going to be a part of tonight's service as they could be. But um, I'm just excited that people are seeing that vision, seeing the need. And um, isn't it incredible that you can be a part of Grow Track? They actually signed up for Grow Track. They watched online because we have online Grow Track, and it talks about believing, becoming, building. And here's the exciting part about that is that it really shows the vision and the mission of Victory Church. And you begin to learn about the, the vision and our mission, how you get involved. And so I'm excited that they're visiting. It's a family of eight. And so they were here, and um, I'm just glad that we are just doing this life together, amen, in community. So we're glad that you're here tonight. I believe this, that we are all here for a reason, that God's word is always timely, it is on time, and we're going to dig in tonight and see what God is going to share with each and every one of us. So we're going to be in the book tonight, and um, how many knows what the book is? That's right. The good book, and I hope you brought it, so if you brought your Bible, maybe you brought your iPad, I don't know exactly what you brought, but pull it out, flip it on, whatever it may be, but we're going to read tonight. If you can, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, and we're going to be in chapter 11 tonight, talking about Abraham, and I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 13. It's on the screen if you need it on the screen as well. And here's what it says. It says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And then it says, By faith. Everybody say, By faith. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, Abraham, even though he has passed age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Amazing word. What an incredible adventure that Abraham, he finds himself on. I want to tell you and remind you, you may remember this incident that happened back in 2002. As Lee Malvo was the youthful sniper along with his lunatic mentor, brutally and senselessly assassinated 10 people in the Washington metropolitan area over about a three-week period back in October of 2002. 
His attorneys argued this, that the judgment against Malvo should be merciful because he had difficult upbringing. That the things that he went through in his life, you should show mercy to him because it wasn't his fault. He was just going through some difficult times. You know, we could look at that and we could become very judgmental ourselves, but really what they are saying is referring to what we know as environmental shaping. In essence, what the professionals are saying is this, that our past dictates our future. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you know and stand upon his word, how many of you know that this is true and that is not true? That listen, our past doesn't dictate our future because with Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ, there's a brand new beginning. And there is life, there is purpose, and all that we have in and through him can become brand new. Listen, it's almost like saying this. I never had air conditioning growing up in Florida, so that's why I'm angry all the time. Or maybe the Girl Scout didn't give me my mint chocolate chip cookies when I was about seven years old, so that's why I'm kind of crazy right now in my adult life. Now, that could be true of some of us in here, but I don't know. But hey, I need my mint chocolate chip cookies or whatever those things are. They will change your life. You know what I'm saying? There's a hundred other excuses that people can give to this weird, cynical, psychotic, sinful, I would say this, inexcusable behavior that we would really call sin. But listen, I know this. We all know that our past influences our future, and we have many preferences and procedures that are passed down from family members and other significant people in our life that has helped kind of shape us. For example, let me give you this one. It was the young couple. They were a good, nice young couple. It was their very first Christmas, and they're thinking, hey, we need to fix a ham. How do you fix a ham? And all of a sudden, the wife spoke up and said, oh, I know how you fix the ham. You get the ham, you're going to chop off both ends. We're going to put it in the oven for a few hours. We're going to take it out. And so as they have it in the oven, they're thinking, man, why, why are we chopping off both ends? I don't know. Well, Call your mom, see why they, I know my mom did it that way, so call and see why she did it that way. Well, she calls and gets on the phone, and as she's calling her, she says, well, the reason I chopped off both ends of the ham is because it didn't fit in my dish, and so I had to chop it off and then put it in. Well, that all of a sudden explains that there was a reason that she did that, but just because you watched, that was really kind of an influence in your life and showed you kind of how to do something. But listen, we all have certain ways that we cook and certain ways that we clean and there's certain ways that, um, that we eat and we like to eat and the way that you dress or you don't dress. Or I would even say this, did you know that sweatpants suits are back in style now? I mean, how many, I won't ask if you wore that, but you know what I'm saying. Those things are back in style now. But all those is because of someone that we spent time with, someone that influenced our life. So in many ways, while you're a composite of others, your past really doesn't imprison you so much that your behavior is dictated. See, here's what I believe. The enemy cannot contain you. 
if you have life in him, if you have said yes to him, there is a powerful scripture in the Bible that I believe refutes any suggestion that has happened to us, whatever has happened to us in the past that may be horrible or painful or whatever it may be. Here's what I know in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation, right? We know that the old has gone and all of a sudden here's the new. How many of you believe tonight that when the new comes, it has the power to change your life? Amen. Amen. We believe that. We know that. And I stand upon that because that is what the word says. So here's what I want to encourage you. You don't have to let the past dictate your future. No matter how strong those bars are of the past, I know this. You can catch a future of your life and God can continually help you in what you're going through. I like what Dr. Kenneth Hildebrand said. He says this. It's about the mundane man. The mundane man is the man who believes only what he sees. Only what is immediate. Only what he can put his hands on. He lacks depth. He lacks vision. The poorest of all men is not the one without a nickel to his name. He is the fellow without a dream. The mundane man is like a great ship built for the mighty ocean but trying to navigate in a pond. He has no far port to reach, no lifting horizon, no precious cargo to carry. His hours are absorbed in routine and petty tyrannies. Small wonder he gets quickly dissatisfied, quarrelsome, and fed up. And listen to this, my favorite part. One of life's greatest tragedies is a person with a 10 by 12 capacity but a 2 by 4 soul. How tragic. You see, whatever you're walking through, here's my encouragement to you tonight. Whatever you're walking through, you may be walking through one of the the, the biggest frustrations of your life. You may be out of what God has really called you to do, and you're walking in disappointment. You may be walking in sickness. You may be walking through a life transition. You may have experienced the greatest hurt of your life. But here's my encouragement to you today. Keep moving forward. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't stand around. Keep moving forward. And when you do that, great things happen. And what I want to do, we're going to look at a man. We know him, as I've already read the scripture, of a man named Abraham who kept looking forward that when God called him to do something, he obeyed. He didn't know where he was going, what he was doing, and you could even say this. He was in transition. And imagine this. I want to take you from this place right here to right over here, but I'm not going to tell you where you're going. How many would sign up for that? I would say that no one would do that. But here's what we need to do. We have to kind of knock down some walls. And here's what we're going to do is we're going to knock down some walls. And some of those walls in our life are kind of like fear. They've placed those walls around us. We're fearful of what we're going to do next, of what we're going to step into, and what God has called us to. But can I encourage you tonight that you can do that? You can step in and step through. So let me look at some identifiable fears with you tonight that helps you move forward. The first one is this, the fear of the unknown. And when you look into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, I love how it starts. It starts this way several times, by faith. The very first words, by faith. Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. 
I believe and I am hopeful that there may be someone here tonight or watching online that you are at that place where you want to knock down the walls of your past and not be held back by what has happened, but you have to move forward. Can I say this tonight? Dear ma'am, dear sir, what are you afraid of? What is What has imprisoned you? What has contained you to where you think you can't move forward anymore? What is it? What has gripped your life in such a way that you are kind of paralyzed by life? You see, I believe this. Fear may grip your heart and you may feel like you're stuck. But today, faith is going to lay hold of the fear and you're not going to be afraid of the unknown. Why? Because you are known by God. He cares. If he's numbered the hair on our heads, if we are the apple of his eye, and I know this from just the word and experiencing this, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And most of the time, we really can't see the end before we take the first step. We're used to reading the book and knowing the last chapter, and some of us, I won't point them out, some of us do that. We're going to read the last chapter so we kind of know what's going on. But how, how many of you know this? Life isn't like that. We don't know. It's called a step of faith. That's why it's there. We typically read the last chapter. And so here's what I believe and know, that I've got to live in faith. I bet this, Sarah probably asked, her family came up and said, hey, where are you going? How long will you be gone? When are you coming back? Can we come and visit? And to all these answers, the answer to those questions is, I don't know. I have no idea. The second fear keeping you contained is the fear of sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 11, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. You know, Abraham, he really had to let go of where he was at to move forward in what God wanted him to do. And did you know that there would probably be many times, and we know the scripture right here, we can read it, but how many times maybe the things that we don't know of the sacrifices that was made that he had to do that. And sometimes we have to look at it like this, what is the cost of discipleship? What is the sacrifice? What do I have to sacrifice in following God? Luke says it this way, suppose you want to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Sometimes the sacrifice is really great. The cost is so much. But we have to be at that place in our life where we're willing to, by faith, take that step. I remember years ago reading a book. It was called The Jesus Freaks. And in that book, it was loaded with stories of what people went through, the difficult times in life. And I remember reading this story. It was about a Cambodian family who back early in the 19th century, I mean, it was, it was the communist parties of the Cambodian and they were killing Christians. They were wiping Christians out. And it was a family and their name was Ham, H-A-I-M. And their family was gathered together and they... The Cambodian communist soldiers were going to kill them. 
And so they gathered them together, and they did this. It wasn't just a mom and dad, but can you imagine? It was brother and sister. It was maybe some cousins. It was the whole family that were gathered all together. And when they gathered them together, they rounded them up and said, first, you're going to have to uh, dig your grave. And they began to dig their grave. And they were going to literally wipe them out. And they said, and they were so nice, so to speak, that the soldiers said, listen, we're going to give you this opportunity that you can pray as a family. So they began to pray as a family before their execution. And when they prayed as their family, they began to do that. And after his family finished the prayers, because the dad led, he exhorted those who were standing around that were going to kill them that they needed to repent and to receive Jesus. And right before this was supposed to happen, suddenly one of Ham's youngest sons jumped up and began to run. And he ran right into the forest. Luckily, he wasn't shot right there on the spot. And Ham, the father, said, listen, if you give me just a moment, I will call my son back. And he began to call to his son and began to say words to him. Son, I need you to come back. And he said these words, think my son, he shouted, can stealing a few more days of life as a fugitive in that forest compare to joining your family here around a grave but soon free forever in paradise? And weeping, the boy walked back. And Ham said to the executioners, now we are ready to go. But none of the soldiers that were present that witnessed that event did anything. They wouldn't shoot him. They just stood there in awe at just what happened. And all of a sudden, another soldier that had no idea what was going on came up and ended their life. When I look at that, I begin to think, now that is a persecution. That is counting the cost. That is a sacrifice for the King Almighty. Imagine, I can't imagine, I must count the cost. What does it mean to do that? You see, I think this, there is no success without sacrifice. If I succeed without sacrifice, then it's because someone who went before me made the sacrifice. If I sacrifice and I don't see the success immediately or right away, then someone who follows me will reap success from my sacrifice. There, there, is, there must be a vision of something bigger than today if we are willing to sacrifice anything tomorrow. Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says. It just simply says this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So here's what we do. We fix our eyes not on what is unseen, but here's what it is. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, it is eternal. The third fear that is keeping us contained, it is this. It's the fear of the impossible. And let me just say this, Hebrews chapter 11 again, just simply says this, by faith, Abraham, I won't read the whole scripture, but you get the point, you get the idea, that the fear of the impossible, you know what, according to Charles Spurgeon, God delights in the impossibilities in life. If you don't believe me, read his Bible all the way from the beginning, all the way to the maps, and you will understand that God is a God of the impossible. So whatever your situation, whatever you're going through, I know this, that God is completely capable of handling whatever you're going through. 
It was Jesus who said this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you, oh God. You see, what may look impossible to a person with no faith looks possible to someone with faith. So my question is, are you a person with faith or a person without faith? Do you look at your life and say, I'm, I'm going to, whatever this impossible thing I'm going through, i got to trust you, God. You know what? Impossibility thinkers will always give you about this 27 reasons of why it won't work. You ever been around those people? Oh, that's not going to work. That's not going to happen. No, I don't believe that. They're impossibility thinkers. Here's my suggestion to you. Don't let them put your 11 by 17 picture in a little 5 by 7 frame. You live out what God has called you to be. In faith in what he has called you. And I know this, God will help you every step of the way. So how do I do this? How do I keep moving forward? I want to just give you two quick things. Number one, I think it's the most important. You've got to trust God instead of man. You've got to trust God. It doesn't matter the voices that are speaking into your life. If it's people, you have to hear the voice of God because the voice of God is the voice of truth. And the voice of truth will always carry you. He will always help you. And by faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed and he went. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding, but in all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. And he will make your plans pass straight. You see, I believe that trusting God, it motivates us to keep going. It, it helps us to kind of attempt the impossible. And so I think that sometimes, I believe sometimes even in culture, we've become this culture that we're not trusting God for great big things in our life. We've kind of hunkered down, trying to play it safe. Instead of stepping out and seeing what maybe God can do. I love the Chinese proverb that simply says, Man who says it can't be done should not interrupt man who is doing it. We can trust God. Why can we trust God? Because he created us. Genesis 2.7 says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now, if you don't think that's a miracle, if you don't think that that is something, I mean, I don't know, when we get to heaven, I hope that we get to get up there and say, Lord, if we can, I don't know if you Instagram this or Facebook that, but can we watch that video? I just want to see how that happened. How many of you be with me? Yeah, that would be kind of cool to see. Okay, three of us, great. But I want to see it. We can meet up together, we'll ask and see what happens. But here's what I do know. When you begin to look into Scripture, the experts tell us this. If you want to make a man, you, do, you need to do this. You need 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 10% hydrogen, 3% nitrogen, and 1.4% phosphorus. Can you just look at your neighbor right now and say, Man, that carbon looks amazing on you tonight. You may even look over and say, uh, you may need a little bit more oxygen tonight. I don't know, but you, that's, what, that's how man is made. 
You sit here tonight with a body that has 500 muscles, 206 bones, 7 miles of nerve fibers, all synchronized so there is agility and movement so you can move like Pastor Jeff Sellers. If you ever saw him dance, you would think, wow, God gave him some extra muscles and ability. It's amazing that the entire surface of your skin is replaced every month. That means another way to put this is that in your whole lifetime, you'll have about a thousand different skins. Place your hand on your heart. I'm serious. Can you feel it? It's right there in the middle of your chest. Your heart beats about a hundred thousand times in one day. 35,000 or 35 million times in a year. Can you believe that? Your heart pumps about 1 million barrels of blood during an average lifetime, and that's enough to fill, I would say, three super tankers, is what the experts tell us. If you were to stretch out your blood vessel system, did you know it would extend over 60,000 miles? Every second, your body produces 25 million new cells. That means in 15 seconds, you will have produced more cells than there are people in the United States. If you don't think that's awesome, I don't know what's wrong with you. In your head, there are three pounds of gray matter for most of us, 2.7 for others. You figure that one out. Assisted throughout your body with 4 million pain-sensitive structures, 500 thousand touch detectors 200,000 temperature gauges if you want a reason to trust him I could say this is that God did all of that he created so much with dirt just dust that's all it took created it made it and here we are and all our oxygen, hydrogen, carbon, phosphorus, and all those good things. And here's what I believe. That maybe you are literally a walking resurrection. Think about it. Look how you were made. Look how you were created. And if you don't believe me, I would ask you to do this, ma'am. Just take out your compact near right now. Just kind of pull it out, open it up, and take a look. And if you want to, husband... Just lean over and take a good look at yourself. You'll see right there in that little mirror an amazing thing. I hope. You know what Psalms 139 says? I love it. And it speaks to, to what I just read. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. It's something to trust God instead of man. You've got to trust God. Why? He created you. He has made you. He is developing you. And you have to keep moving forward. And the way to keep moving forward is to trust him. To trust him. And you think that is so basic. That is so easy. I think sometimes we need to get back to the basics. Just the basics of, hey, let's pray. Let's open his word. Let's trust in an almighty God because that's who he says he is. Can you trust him? Can you break down the walls of fear and just trust him? The second thing, if you, if, if you are going to do this, if you're going to keep moving forward, the second thing is this, through difficulty, difficulty chase victory. Chase victory. What does that mean? Hebrews 11 says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. 
And it goes on to say, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. You see, you're going to have many opportunities to quit. My suggestion is this, don't quit. You have to do this. You have to put one foot in front of the other. You have to get up and say, you know what? I'm going to make it today. Through the grief, through the loss, whatever you are walking through, you've got to keep moving forward. The only time you don't fail is the last time you try something and it works. I love Michael Jordan. Perhaps one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Did you know that he did not make his high school basketball team his sophomore year? Winston Churchill failed sixth grade. He didn't fulfill and become prime minister until he was 62 years of age. His greatest contributions came when he was a senior citizen. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor for a lack of ideas. Bankrupt several times. I tell my wife, we're traveling through Orlando. I know everyone has done that. You've traveled through Orlando and you've traveled back through Orlando. How many stuck in traffic? 11 o'clock at night. What? And I tell her this. You are not stuck in traffic. You are stuck in a dream. It is a man's dream. That's why we're stuck. Years later, here we are stuck in a man's dream. He had the vision and the wherewithal to make this happen. And here we are stuck in his traffic because he had a dream. God, give me a dream like that, right? Help me. That's where we're stuck. Here's another one. Colonel Sanders. I know some of you know him. I've seen you in line down there at KFC. I know that you know him. He was forced to close his business and retire. And he was broke. The station that he was selling his chicken out of closed and he couldn't go on anymore. He was living off $150 a month. And he set out to find restaurants who would franchise his secret recipe. He wanted a nickel for each piece of chicken sold. And he drove around sleeping in his car and was rejected more than 1,000 times before finding his partner. And can I tell you the end of the story? I think he made it. We have some fried chicken out back. When you leave tonight, you can pick up your, your free chicken wings. I'm joking, not really. Some of you are already heading back there. Hold on. You can't quit. And here's one of the reasons why. Because one day, you are going to stand face to the face with the one who didn't quit on you. When you see him, you'll be glad you didn't quit. You're going to be glad that you kept moving forward. You'll be so glad that you didn't bail. You will stand face to face with the Son of God who didn't quit on his redemptive calling for your life so that you could have life. So you could have forgiveness of sin. So you could live eternity with him. You will stand face to face with a finisher because he finished everything that he did. With one who didn't quit when his teachings were criticized or scorned. One who didn't quit when his trusted followers deserted him. One who didn't quit when he was mocked, when he was beaten, and when he was spit upon and his beard pulled. One who did not quit when they did this. They had nails driven through his hands and feet. He was scourged. Why? So that we could have life. His part of redemptive plan is finished, but ours is not. 
We've got to follow his example. And what we do as the worship team comes, here's what we have to do. I want to encourage you. You have to keep moving forward. And how do you do that? You trust God and not man. You chase victory. Don't chase defeat. Don't chase those things that are going to hold you back. But you move forward in what God wants you to do. You look at your walls and the walls of your life, the fear of the unknown, the fear of the sacrifice, and you look at those things and you think, you know what? God is greater than my fear. And I'm going to trust him. And some of you even tonight, you may be even watching and you are on the brink of quitting. Can I encourage you? Keep putting one foot in front of the other. God is going to help you. God is going to come to your rescue. If you don't know him, if you've never put your faith and trust in an almighty God, I would say this, that tonight is your night. Maybe you're here and you say, I, I just need prayer. I need God to help me. I need God to lift me up in times, in these times. I know this, that he will. Would you stand with me tonight? And I want you to repeat this after me. If you need the Lord, I know this, that he's going to save you and help you. All you have to do is cry out to him. All you have to do is call upon the name of Jesus. And simply say these words. Dear Lord, Dear Lord I, come before you tonight. I come before you tonight. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. I ask tonight, I ask tonight that, you would save me. that you would save me. Come into my life. Come into my life. Make me a brand new creation. I want to trust in you. Tonight, I'm putting my faith in you. I trust you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's what I want you to do. You may be here tonight, you need prayer. I want to encourage you. In just a moment, they're going to sing a song. And they're going to sing a powerful song. And I know this, that God's, His Holy Spirit is already working right here in this service, and even online if you're watching. And if you feel that nudge, if you feel that, I need to have, have prayer, I want to encourage you to do that. If you're watching online, you may want to bow your head right there in your home and say, Lord, I need you. If you need healing touch in your body, if you need prayer, if you need this, a brother, a sister just to agree with you in what you're walking through in life, here's what I know, here's what I believe, is that God can help you. All you have to do is call upon the incredible name of Jesus Christ, and he will be there for you. So as they sing, I want to encourage you to step out and trust him tonight as you come to this altar.